Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, where it's my job to introduce you to people from the world of commercial property. We're talking with investors and thought leaders about their experiences of the commercial property world and sharing our own lessons from the last 20 years to give you practical know-how so that you can follow in their footsteps. If you've ever thought commercial could be your next step, but it just seems too confusing and opaque, then you've come to the right place. There are so many exciting opportunities in this dynamic sector, and I'm looking forward to pulling back the curtain and sharing them with you. Welcome to the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, the show dedicated to the private investor, and I'm your host, Jerry Alexander. We want to show you how to cross the divide from residential investing over to commercial property investing. Through interviews, tips and lessons learned, we share experiences of investing and give you the inspiration, knowledge and confidence to enjoy this great cash flowing strategy. So let's get started. Hello, welcome back. It's me back after the festive break. I hope you had a great time off and I wish you the very best for the year ahead, of course. I feel like it's been ages since I sat down to have a chat to the microphone. I had plans for today's episode based around some trends I'm looking out for in 2023, but scrub that. I want to talk to you about something else instead. We finally made a breakthrough just before Christmas. I mean, literally a breakthrough. When we bought the former flour mill, we bought a unit next door. Well, it's actually a standstone building, so it's quite an old exterior. They must have done some facade retention, held the exterior of the building. But they completely redid the interior. And on the top two floors of flats, which we didn't buy, but we bought the ground floor, which is about 1,500 square feet of office space with a mezzanine in there. And it's internally got breeze block, metal-formed roof for the underside of the this concrete slab, some sandstone um, on the interior that we've exposed, but it was kind of ultra-modern and ultra-boring inside, and ultra-modern is probably being a bit um, kind. But anyway, I always had an idea to merge the two buildings if things went well. If the mill went well as a flex-based project, then I figured it'd be good to have more mill. (laughs) So, at last, a large hole has finally been delivered at great expense to connect the two buildings. And if you follow my goings on on the likes of Insta, then you'll see what I'm talking about. Um, you'll get me at jerryalexander.commercial on Insta, where I put pictures of projects and things that were up to. And this hole was not a whole load of fun, I can tell you. Actually getting this slapping, as they call it, put in to connect these two buildings was not fun. Contractors didn't turn up to price it when we were trying to price it. Others turned up but never priced and disappeared. Then some priced but wouldn't commit. And then, of course, some priced and it was extremely high. It was really frustrating trying to get this hole put in between these two buildings. Now, I don't quite know if there's a podcast here, but I wanted to talk a bit about the building and design process, right? So let's see how it goes. If you've been listening to the podcast much, you will already know... I'm not always sitting around on laptops, phones, or indeed in front of a microphone, much as I like it. I'm also very much a person who likes to get involved in the building process, rather than completely keeping free of it and not understanding it. I want to ask, how could anyone teach and be aware of all the pitfalls of physical builds 
when you don't go onto site or you don't get your hands dirty. I've been involved in the physical or at least the practical side of building for over 25 years. And don't get me wrong, I'm not on the tools. I never train for a trade. I mean, I'm sometimes on the tools if it's fun. <laughs> Usually it involves demolition rather than building. And I do occasionally go in to fix the odd issue. But my point here is that over the years, I've always wanted to understand what's happening and why. And that's built up a lot of knowledge on how things should go together on projects. At some point, you'll need to do that yourself or find a partner that can. But even then, one day you will need to know. I can't tell you the number of times the default in our business has been to get in a professional when there's been a problem. But actually, we often had the knowledge in the team, or sometimes in my head, as to how to fix it. And as a mentor, it's one of the most valuable things to share, that knowledge when looking over designs, layouts, and the practical on-site implications. It's amazing when you sit down with a set of architects' drawings and maybe a set of engineers' drawings, they might not have quite coordinated them together. They may have put together some designs that work well on paper, but actually when you look at them on site and you consider some of the existing building structure, you think, actually, how's that going to work? And architects, engineers and other professionals can only go so far. You need to know how stuff goes together. And that comes from experience. Yours or someone else's who has been doing that specific strategy over a long period of time. Think about it. When you last did a residential development and maybe moved some walls about, what about the lighting? Did you move the plumbing, the electrics? Was this all the architect or did you have some input? I'd imagine you probably did. Now imagine that on a building that's maybe 20, 30, 40 times the size. In commercial, particularly if you're working on a multi-let property or flex space, these things can become quite complex. Let me just talk through a few items. So who works out where the nooks and crannies should be created if you're working on a, a, a redevelopment? Because for office space in particular, um, and shared space, flex space, it's really important to have those nooks and crannies because people like to get away into little corners sometimes to have a quiet meeting and then others want to get in there to get a quiet space to work but also they still want to be part of the bigger entity as it were or the other activity that's going on and having for instance just a big open plan room doesn't always work but of course should an architect know that? Would an engineer know that? Well I shouldn't think so and what about where there should be a solid wall or maybe a glass wall. Which one's going to work better? And what about future-proofing for flexibility? Sockets, Cat5 ports, light switches, where are they all going to be placed so that in the future, if you make any changes, it's going to be less disruptive? And what about the heating requirements? How many radiators are really needed? The amount of times I've been told how many radiators we need and then actually... It's far too many. <laughs> now, it might just be me and the contractors I work with, but sometimes you just need that experience to be able to say, do you know what? No, we're not going to put in that many very expensive reconditioned radiators. We're only going to put in this number. But it comes through experience, doesn't it? And how about when you've got a firewall and maybe is it important to spend that extra amount of money, quite a lot of money, that you need to put in a sheet of fire glass because it can be really expensive one hour fire glass, but it can make a dramatic difference to open up an area. Or should you just save the cash? 
What about putting in an external window to keep features exposed or where to protect them and to cover up things for future generations? There's all that sort of stuff going on. We, we've, in the past, come across features and I thought, right, this is great. We need to do this up and make leave this exposed. But actually, sometimes you just have to decide, you know what? That doesn't quite work for the project right now. What we don't do is strip them out. We'll maybe um, save them, protect them, cover them over for future generations. And these are things that, you only get to know through time. And another one would be like, where, where do you put a toilet core? No matter how hard it is, how do you get drainage there to make it work? And you can ask experts to guide you in all of this stuff, of course, as I do most of the time. But you need to have real clarity on the ultimate goals and customer needs, whilst, of course, not losing sight of what is going to make the best return for your investment. Then you need to keep that in the forefront of your mind and educate your support team, your support be team being um, your professionals. And many times I've spoken to investors who simply must do it the way they want. Yes, I know this is only going to be a two-bedroom house for X, but I just want it to be the best. But ultimately, this isn't a hobby. It's a business, and we all need to get with it. We lose a lot of money by doing what we fancy rather than what the ultimate customer might want or need. And I've made a lot of mistakes and I keep making them. But it's as much about learning about yourself and how you process things as opposed to how much others are going to cost you. So what about the way that you process things and the way you make decisions? Because that could be costing you a lot more money than the people you're blaming. <laughs> I'm speaking for myself here, right? And I was humming hawing about whether to record an episode about this. I didn't want to put you off about the complexities of this, but equally, I'm aware my job is not to sugarcoat it. So let's get to the nub of this, right? There are four ways, to me, of making money in the process of investing and holding commercial property, to a lesser or greater extent. The first one is you've got to go out and find and buy deals. Deal making, right? Sourcing them, negotiating on them, working out all the lovely bits and pieces, the finance, and then finally getting them over the line. That's step one. The second thing is you need to understand market demand and how to redesign for optimal performance. I say you. Somebody has to. The third function here is, is the building element, the fit out, right? It's actually creating the space or the change. And then the fourth part is the operation of the spaces once they're finished. Now, if it's just for one tenant, there might be very little operation. If there's for multi-tenants, then there's going to be some operational things that are going to have a key impact on your return. So think about that. If you take a building, any development, right, there's going to be four pieces of the pie here. This is the financial pie. So the first one is the deal itself, the deal making, finding it and buying it. The second part, and that, that earns people money. And hopefully you, that's the point, right? The second bit is the design and understanding market demand. So that is for another skill set. Somebody else might get paid that money. Then there's the building and the fit out. Somebody else is going to make a margin. And then the last one is the operation of the space. Somebody's going to make a margin. And just to be clear, I'm predominantly talking here about stage two and maybe a little bit of stage three on this episode. But as a group of businesses, um, we tend to do all four. You don't have to. You can pick any. You could just pick one. You could just find, negotiate and buy buildings. You could just work on understanding demand and working on the design for optimal performance. 
You could work on the mooring construction, working on fit-out, or you could just do operation of spaces, or you could do a combination, right? You don't have to do all of them. But you do need to understand each component, even if you're not delivering it. If you think about it, they're all interlinked. Without the experience or understanding of operations, how can you design the optimal space? And without the building acumen, how can you know if an old redundant building can actually be converted into what you need? Now, you might be thinking, well, an architect can help with that. And absolutely they can. But if that architect isn't working and doing operations of flex space, let me ask you a question. Have you heard of SAS pensions? They're a fantastic tool for business owners to wrap a commercial property up in a tax-free bubble. SAS can work particularly well with the CMO strategy to generate money both inside and outside of your pension. It goes without saying, I'm not a SAS expert, but let me introduce you to someone that is. Bryn Walker has been advising on SAS pensions for many years and has been a long-term supporter of the CPI network. SAS and commercial property work incredibly well together, but there are many nuances, and Bryn will make sure you don't stray from the right path. Look in the show notes for the partner link and book up a SaaS discovery call with Bryn. On a day-to-day basis, they're probably not going to know enough to be able to give you the optimal space. So just because they've got architect over the door doesn't necessarily mean they're the right architect for your project. You just have to think about that. So what can we do about this when we're just starting out? How do you fill in the knowledge gap? The number one thing is we need to ensure we have complete clarity on our vision for the customer type, their needs and their budget expectations or the kind of fit out they're going to expect for your development project. And once you've at least got that, then you can gather the right team around you to advise you. And remember, they will have particular expertise, as I say, but their context will be different from your own. So you might need an architect. Is it an architect who's worked on flex space before or commercial property? Yeah, needs to be really. You'll need an engineer, absolutely, particularly from that building control point of view to make sure that this, this structure, <laughs> these changes, this hole you're going to put in the wall and everything else is going to work. And of course, interior design, who's going to do that element? And increasingly, mechanical and electrical engineers are needed for the air vac, for the electrics, for the fire alarms, for all the different things that you need to put in. And of course, I would say... Depending on what you're doing, you're going to need sector-specific experience. You just can't beat it. For example, in service accommodation, let's take that as an example, you need somebody on that team who understands room sizes, technology, layout, best layouts, customer target markets, fire regulations, operations, and managing finance. They're all interlinked, aren't they? Now, don't despair if you're just getting started. Knowledge comes with time in the game. So you just need to get in the game for the long term. And all of those lessons will pay dividends over and over again in the future. So you just have to start small and work your way up. Learn as you go. And sometimes I feel that the mentoring aspect of my job is actually reassuring people that they do know more than they give themselves credit for. Sure, there are specifics with certain strategies, as I've just said, but... But the building process, I think most know more than they think. Particularly if, I dare say it, ladies, it can be even tougher for you when you're coming from outside of the industry or inside 
And the trades and the professionals all tell you, either directly or in their body language, that you know nothing and they know everything. Well, I'm here to tell you, it's bollocks most of the time. Don't be over cocky, (laughs) but have confidence to keep asking questions, even the uncomfortable ones that might unsettle the other side. The amount of times a plaster has told me that this new way is the way you should do it, or the plumber's told me, no, no, this needs to go here. You just need to keep asking the questions to unravel what they're suggesting to get to the truth of why it's the right thing to do. And then ultimately, you're the one that's going to live with it, not them. When the project's finished, they'll be out of there. So you have to make the decision. We're here, of course, to help. Don't forget there's lots of blog posts and free materials on the website you can read up on. It can seem a complex business, but it can become clearer the more you immerse yourself in the commercial space. Just start paddling about as soon as you can and then get in the swim. It's amazing what you'll learn and store in the back of your mind only to call up on in future when you have a particular issue to deal with. Sometimes just by seeing things out and about on site that don't necessarily have an impact straight away can have a real impact later when you recall that and you need it for a problem that's right in front of you. It's all about immersing yourself in this commercial swim, actually getting out there and getting involved. This week, my plan was to talk through some trends and legislative changes, as I said, in commercial for 23, but I wanted to get this one off my chest. So you'll need to tune in next week for that one. Just to summarise, make sure you get the right energy and the right experience around you. Yes, you're going to need your standards, you're going to need architects, engineers, building contractors and all that sort of stuff, but you also need experience in the sector that you're getting involved in. Because all those little nuances when you're building out space has a big impact on the operation of that space. But if you've never operated space, how are you going to know how to develop it out? So make sure you get the right experience on your team as well. Right. I hope that's been of use to you. It's certainly got that off my chest. So thank you very much for listening in right through to the end. If you have any topics you want us to cover, just drop us a message, by the way. On Instagram, it's jerryalexander.commercial. I'm always keen to research new things. And if you've got anybody you think you would like us to interview, again, just drop us a message. So I'll leave it there. Catch up with you next time on the CPI podcast. Hold on. Did someone just say get in the swim? If you're excited by the prospect of investing in cash flowing commercial property, but don't quite know where to start, check out our Get in the Swim membership. It will give you access to the CPI network, a group of investors just like you who are taking the plunge or may have even bought several commercial properties already and are willing to share their experiences. It's your chance to get around the right people, to build your knowledge and confidence about investing in commercial property. We have face-to-face events, regular online meetings, a resource library and video content to help get you up to speed. First and foremost, this is a network of actual private property investors who are actively investing into commercial property through a host of different strategies. It's one of the best ways to push past the inertia and get into commercial property. Check out the show notes or go online to cpinetwork.co.uk and as a podcast listener, you currently get a 10% discount. Just use the code PODCAST10. Go on, come and join us. I look forward to meeting you.